Welcome to the Base Path Podcast brought to you by New England Baseball Journal. I'm your host, Dan Guttenplan. Today we'll sit down with one of the most accomplished prep school coaches in New England, the Wichenden School head coach, John Toffey. John came to the Wichenden School in 2018 after leading Salisbury School and Cheshire Academy to a combined record of 135 and 9, as well as eight conference championships. He is now well into the process of building the Wichenden School into one of the region's top developmental programs for aspiring college baseball players. Fifteen players are currently committed to playing college baseball. John, thanks so much for joining us in studio. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, Dan. Yeah, and it really seems like um, good timing. Your vision for the program is really kind of coming together here, uh, obviously with the number of college commitments. And then you also have a field project underway, a $4 million field project, which will really make it a desirable school for baseball prospects. Now, what made you think uh, or what inspired you to come to the Wichenden School and what made you think that you could get it done there? Yeah, great question. I mean, it, you know, it was a little unexpected, um, to tell you the truth. You know, I'd been at Salisbury School for seven years and uh, loved my time at Salisbury School. Um, just got married to my wife, Jessica. You know, we had uh, she had a great job out there at a school called Indian Mountain School. Um, so it was actually kind of a, a funny story. We, we, um, we got uh, engaged and um, we're like, all right, well, you know, I'll start to look for jobs in Boston. She was working in, in Marblehead in the public schools. And, uh, and you you can look for jobs out here in the northwest corner of Connecticut where there's next to no jobs in the northwest corner of Connecticut. And I'm looking for jobs in Boston where there's jobs everywhere. So as I'm going through the process looking for jobs, thinking about maybe moving out here, she calls me and she says, hey, guess what? I got a job at Indian Mountain School. So, you know, here uh, here I am, you know, the opportunity for, you know, hundreds of thousands of jobs in Boston or whatever. It is. And, you know, she gets the job right there in the uh, northwest corner of Connecticut. So it was kind of funny. But um, so seven years at Salisbury, it was a lot of fun. Um, and then, you know, went to Cheshire Academy kind of um, unexpectedly learned about some, you know, really some, some neat things they were doing there. And, um, you know, it was a lot of fun at Cheshire for three years. We won uh, two New England championships at Cheshire um, for a team that had never been, you know, to the playoffs before. And probably more important than that, had lots of kids going to play college baseball. It was a lot of fun. And then uh, the opportunity at Winchester School presented itself, which, um, you know, we had uh, just had our first son. Uh, my wife and I are both from Massachusetts, so... Uh, I'm from down on the Cape, and she's from Andover. Um, so it was an opportunity to get back to Massachusetts, although I don't think either of us had heard of the town of Winterton, uh, <laughs> to be honest with you. But um, we went to the school. We loved it. And, um, you know, they have a great leadership team there, and, and they were looking to uh, to do some things on the enrollment side that I think uh, felt my fit my skill set really well. So, um, yeah, we're really glad that we're there. I think I hadn't heard about uh, Wichenden until after you started coaching there. Now I'll drive through there every once in a while. I'll be like, oh, this is where the good baseball program is. Um, now, the program couldn't have really been any less established, I guess, when you started. It was kind of like a JV program almost where, um, you know, it wasn't really a, a, a schedule that was competitive with some of the other prep schools. Would there have been any way that it wouldn't have been established enough for you to say, all right, I, I can't do this? Uh, no, I don't think so. I mean, it was, you know, um, I thought that the you know location about an hour west of Boston was a good location. You know, it actually got me closer to Boston um, where, you know, a lot of my contacts are. And obviously there's some great baseball being played there. And then my, you know, last two schools, um, 
but you know, you know, we're fortunate to have success at the last two schools and really build up um, a really good network um, of contacts. Uh, and have lots of kids go on and play college baseball and have a lot of success in college. So, um, you know, I felt really confident that we could do it at Winston in the school. And, and, and um, you know, the school itself is is, is terrific. I mean, there's uh, really small class sizes of seven to nine students. It's a very personalized kind of approach to academics, and I thought that we could bring that same personalized approach that they have to academics, having really small class sizes and just kind of a real focus on each individual student. We could bring that same approach to, uh, to baseball uh, to really be able to develop you know each baseball player to the best of their ability and um, you know we've been fortunate enough to, to do that and now when you look at it a few years later um, you've won you know you've won a conference championship there this year I think you ended up definitely in the top five of our you know New England coaches poll I think you were number four uh, and you know with this field project on the way four million dollar field project it's come together really fast um, what did you like when you sit down for the job interview and they're like, hey, where do you where do you see yourself taking this program? Is this kind of the course that you laid out? Has it been on schedule? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that um, when uh, when I learned about the job and when when we went up to, um, to, you know, my wife and I went up to learn more about the job, the baseball was part of it. Um, you know, but, you, you know, the opportunity to be the director of admissions, which was uh, which was was something that was really exciting um, to us. And, and one of the things that the school wanted to do was. Um, to increase their uh, enrollment and to increase their enrollment um, specifically I think with uh, with five day um, boarding students and to increase their enrollment with um, students from you know in and around the Boston area so I know I knew that one way we could do that was um, you know through having a really uh, strong baseball program um, and we've been able to increase enrollment through some other really neat initiatives at the school but um, you know I knew that there was a great infrastructure there um, strong facilities great great dorms, some really good people there. So there was, you know, a, a lot of, uh, a lot of potential. The turf project happened, you know, a little quicker than, than I thought. Um, it wasn't something that I ever talked about in the interview process. It wasn't something that I ever, you know, really envisioned um, for the school. I actually was thinking about ways to run the program with the current facilities that they had. Um, and we didn't really have much of a baseball field, you know, to your point. Um, you know, they had a team. Uh, I think they played kind of a hybrid, some varsity games. They played some JV games. Um, you know, I think they had some hockey players. They've had a talent, you know, a pretty good hockey program for a number of years. And I think that's some hockey players that kind of played baseball. But it wasn't a program that would produce college baseball players. And it wasn't a program that kids would come to Winston School because they wanted a great education and they wanted to play high-level baseball. So that was something that we were able to kind of work on pretty quickly and, and, and change. But I never thought that, you know, I didn't kind of present um, – you know, plans for a turf field or, um, or, or really envision that at all. One of the reasons that I thought that going to Winston School um, would, would work is I knew that we didn't really have much of a field uh, on campus, um, but I knew that um, through my relationship with uh, the New England Baseball Complex, they have three turf fields there, that we would have the ability to play games at the New England Baseball Complex um, which is, you know, about an hour ride. But, you know, in the spring, as you know, there's snow and rain. And, you know, even if you have a grass field on campus, it's hard to play, um, you know, get as many games as maybe you, you would like to. So um, having the access to the New England Baseball Complex and the turf fields, um, I knew that we were going to be able to play a differentiated schedule, be able to play more games. So, you know, I, we knew that we wanted to have kids that wanted to, 
you know, come and play college baseball. And to be able to do that, we wanted to run our program similar to a college program and play a lot of games. So um, I was just thinking about using the current facilities that they had and, and traveling to Northboro to the New England Baseball Complex and renting the fields there um, or, you know, using Franklin Pierce, too. So Franklin Pierce is 15 minutes away. And Jason King's a good friend of mine. And he, you know, done a lot of great things at Franklin Pierce before he um, you know, moved on ultimately to, uh, to Dayton, but we had access to be able to use Franklin Pierce too, another turf field. So being able to use those turf fields allowed us to, you know, to play 40 games and, um, and to have a lot, a high level program for the last four years. But I never thought that the school would be interested in, you know, doing a, you know, a three and a half million dollar multi-purpose artificial turf field. So that was pretty neat when, uh, that actually just kind of came to us, you know, kind of came, came to me that, um, my boss and our board of trustees said that was something that they were thinking about. And that's something that's going to help other programs too. It's not strictly a baseball field. You might be able to um, gain enroll or you know add to your enrollment uh, through other sports, uh, athletes from other sports, because it's going to be across the board an improvement. Um, I wanted to ask about the philosophy behind the forty game season. Um, most prep schools in New England, I would say, play twenty to maybe twenty five. Um, and you said, you know, it's to to provide to to give more of an environment like a college team. Is that designed to get guys more looks, more opportunities for college recruiters to come out, or more, you know, get your body used to playing forty games in a season? Yeah, I think it's more to get your body ready um, to play those games. So. Um, you know, you're right. I think a lot of high school baseball teams are, you know, 20 games on the schedule. Maybe they can get to 25, but you have a couple of rainouts, a couple of cancellations for different things. You know, there's times when you maybe only play 14 or 15 games. And uh, in a college season, that's, you know, that could be, you know, three weeks. You know, it's a, so um, what we wanted to do was to prepare our student athletes as best we could for college baseball and kind of the rigors. Uh, the demands of college baseball and one way to do that um, is by playing more games so you know we really try to play four or five games a week Um, not necessarily for the looks I think that you know in in terms of the exposure um, yeah sometimes that does happen in the spring um, but oftentimes these colleges are so busy with their own schedules and their own games in the spring that you know a lot of the exposure um, and the opportunities to get connected with college coaches is going to happen in the summer um, you know or uh, in the fall. Right. Yeah. And I wanted to ask about the recruiting pipeline because you've established that at other schools, obviously. So you said, you know, you came to the Wichenden school with a lot of those contacts established. What are the ways in which you can advocate for your guys or support them in their uh, quest to become college baseball players? Yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, college coaches, I, I hope, are pretty familiar with Winston School. And again, I think, you know, it goes back to our kids being prepared. And, you know, if you look at college baseball rosters now, I mean, um, so many kids that have uh, been fortunate enough to coach are having a lot of success. So, you know, you, you talk about the placement and that's part of it. But then having the success when you get to college, being ready academically, socially with the baseball um, you know, I look at college baseball in the area. I mean, Joey Bramante, who's up at Maine, was a PG that, you know, lots of didn't really have any opportunities to play college baseball. He's got 17 home runs this year, Division One college baseball. I think he may lead New, all of New England in, in home runs. Uh, Phil Bernstein's been an all uh, NESCAC player at Hamilton since he arrived as a freshman. So we really try to have our players um, ready to go and ready to compete and ready to see the field as freshmen. So I think that's one of the things that really helps them in, in the recruiting process is I'm, hope, I'm hopeful that college coaches feel really comfortable in, in, in the development model that we have at the school. And I think that they know that we run it, you know, probably as close as we can to, you know, kind of a, a, a college type of environment um, with really competitive practices, um, you know, with having a, a roster of, you know, anywhere between 
12 and 16 kids each year that's going to you know go on and play college baseball i think that you know allows them to um you know to develop really well in practice and and, and to surround themselves with uh, with other kids like themselves that are going to um you know go on and move on and play college ball too yeah and what about recruiting uh for guys to come to the Wichenden school from other places is that how, how do you go about that process yeah, and that's interesting. I mean, that's really kind of come full cycle because, you know, it used to be um, a lot of outreach. You know, when I was at, you know, back at Salisbury School, I mean, Dan Donato had done a heck of a job building up the baseball program at Salisbury, and now he's done the same thing at Dexter. And he handed it off to Mark Levitt, who was a great mentor of mine and very, very good coach. I learned a lot from Mark, and he went on to coach at uh, Stetson University, Division One program down in, in, in Florida, and now he's a Major League Baseball scout. So, you know, I've learned a lot from, from, from both of them. But, um, you know, in terms of, of recruiting, um, I think it's one of those things where a lot of it's just word of mouth, you know, and, and kids go on and, and they have uh, kids when they're coming to the school, I think are having really good experiences. Um, the travel ball circuit, the summer ball circuit, you know, um, I think that families are, are connected through different travel teams. And I can't tell you how many times I've had an email or, or a parent call and say, you know, geez, my son met one of your teammates or sorry, one of your uh, players, you know, through travel ball and he played on this team and they said they had a great experience. They really like Winston school. And, you know, now they're kind of, you know, interested that way. And, um, you know, it used to be me too, a lot of times like calling college coaches as well, just to kind of support and advocate for some of our players. But now it's college coaches that are calling us. So it's been kind of neat to have that come full circle. And we've even had some referrals from college programs as well, too. Uh, through the pandemic, as college rosters have become bigger and bigger, um, you know, I think that uh, it's harder to earn those college opportunities. And it's been pretty neat for a college coach to say, hey, I really like this player, but right now I don't have a roster spot for him. Is there a chance that, you know, he might be able to PG at Winston School for a year? He might be able to go to your school for a year before he comes to us. Yeah, and you're, fr- you're from one of the uh, most prominent baseball families I would say or even sports families in New England uh your dad was a former professional baseball player uh your brother Will who we've been tracking now for probably you know 10 years since he was with you at Salisbury uh is now in triple a with the Philadelphia Phillies organization and you were drafted in two sports hockey and baseball what was it like uh growing up you know in your house what was the you know how, how did you guys embrace baseball or share it together as a family yeah, it was a lot of fun. I mean, it was a lot of fun. We grew up on the Cape, and, you know, what a lot of people probably don't know is uh, I think my mom might have been the most talented athlete of all of us. So she uh, she, she ran track. Uh, anything that, uh, you know, she, she kind of uh, does, um, you know, she seems to do really well. So she's a very good tennis player, and um, she's just kind of an all-around really talented person. So I guess, uh, you know, started with uh, uh, parents that were both really active and, you know, just awesome parents that um and then you know growing up the oldest of five it was uh, it was a lot of fun lots of miles on the suburban you know growing up on the cape i think it gets to a point where you want to start to play higher competition and things like that and um you know we're really fortunate to have really supportive parents that you know they drove us kind of you know all over new england and you know as the hockey got going travel hockey things like that we were you know all over the country so it was uh, it was a lot of fun a lot of fun. Yeah, and your brother Will, that must have been a uh, fun experience, I would say, because that team was just a wagon, that 2014 Salisbury team that he was on. I think there were four future professional baseball players on that team, right, with Dakar and your brother and uh, Paul Campbell maybe. Um, but, yeah, that team went 33-1, and one, and we still – we did a retrospective during the pandemic on, like, best uh, high school or prep teams in all of New England over – the history of baseball and that team, I think, ended up number one. 
what was it like coaching your brother on that team? And ha- have you ever had a team that you just kind of walked on the field and felt like it was going to win like that one? Yeah, I mean, well, you know, coaching that team, um, it was one of those things where you just, uh, as, as a coach, like we would, we had great practices and worked really hard in practice, and um, the kids were just so passionate about the game. But you know, once the game started, um, there wasn't really a whole lot of managing. You know, there wasn't a whole lot of uh, that's hit and run, that's bunt. You just kind of let the game happen, and um, they, you know, we were just a lot more talented. The players were just a lot more talented than you know than than the other. Um, teams that particular year so yeah I mean there were geez I mean Ryan January is on that team who professional baseball player uh, Wills Montgomery who set you know some some records I believe at UConn was a six-round draft pick professional baseball player Paul Campbell was a kid who we were trying to get innings for you know some games because we didn't quite have the schedule as developed as it is now at Winston School and Paul's a kid that went on to Clemson uh, pitching the big leagues um you know, Will went on to start right away at Vanderbilt as a third baseman playing next to uh, Dansby Swanson there in the College World Series his freshman year. He's now playing AAA ball with the Philadelphia Phillies. So, yeah, that was a pretty fun team. We, we changed the schedule a little bit that year and played more of a national schedule. Uh, went down to Florida twice, uh, played in a perfect game tournament that had a lot of the top high school programs in the entire country. And, you know, I think that they maybe finished as um, ranked by, you know, perfect game baseball as one of the top couple teams in the, in the country uh, that year. And then and if you look to see how many kids went on to play college baseball and the kinds of careers that they had in college and, you know, for a handful of them to all be still playing professional baseball was pretty neat. The Base Path Podcast will be back after these messages. Looking to keep up with all the latest news and information on New England baseball? New England Baseball Journal and BaseballJournal.com are the premier resources for information and inspiration on the New England baseball scene. Have every issue of New England Baseball Journal, the magazine, delivered to your home or office. And don't forget to stay in the game every day with a digital subscription to BaseballJournal.com to receive baseball coverage on clubs, college commits, prep and high school, Division 1, 2, and 3 colleges, showcases, rankings, and much more. Get in the game and behind the scenes now by going to BaseballJournal.com Just click on the subscribe button and start the subscription that is right for you today. New England Baseball Journal is a Siemens Media publication. Siemens Media. Inspiring. Informative. Insightful. Are you serious about playing your sport in college? Do you need a flexible education that allows you to maintain your practice and competition schedules while also preparing you to succeed at the next level? You should check out the University of Nebraska High School. UNHS is accredited and offers more than 100 online courses, including NCAA-approved courses to protect your academic eligibility. Students could earn a UNHS diploma or take a single course for transfer credit. Courses are college prep, self-paced, and available 24-7, 365. Enroll anytime and take up to a year to complete a course. Visit highschool.nebraska.edu today. This fall, Quincy College in Quincy, Massachusetts drops the puck on its first ever hockey season in the City of Presidents, just 10 minutes from Boston. The Granite, as they're known, will play in the CHF Collegiate Hockey Federation against Babson, Mass Maritime, Nichols, Sacred Heart, and D3 programs at UNH and Farmingdale State in New York. The Quincy College Granite will be well coached. Kyle Robertson has been coaching regional junior teams for 20 years, and over 100 of his players have gone on to NCAA programs. Kyle's assistant is Matt Gibbs. 
Gibbons, who's been coaching at North Quincy High for 12 years and won three titles there. Three years ago, he was the MIAA Coach of the Year. And as far as the educational part, Quincy College has a lot to offer. 37 different two-year degrees, and it's super affordable. There's even a new four-year business management degree that costs much less than other four-year schools. Want to make some history in a first-year hockey program? Now's your chance. Get more info at quincycollege.edu forward slash hockey. I know you've uh, worked with the Roughnecks for the last eight years and um, are kind of scaling back this year, but it, you made me think of it when you were talking about the schedules changing and, uh, you know, just the way that you had to schedule a national um, kind of nationally competitive schedule that year when you were that stacked. Um, do you think, and I was reading about your playing career, you were a, a high school quarterback, you got drafted in hockey and baseball, and it just doesn't seem, we were talking earlier in the office about how there's it, so many more guys playing baseball 12 months a year now uh, with these travel programs and things like that. Has it changed for the better, do you think, since your playing days or 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 no? Hard to say if it's changed for the better or not. I mean, it's different. You know, I'll definitely say that it's different. I mean, when I was growing up, I, you know, went to St. Sebastian's and, um, you know, late 90s and you know, graduated there in uh, 2001. But, you know, you just played multiple sports. That's just what you did. I mean, I wouldn't really kind of consider myself um, someone that knew a, a heck of a lot about football and like the X's and O's and, and things like that. But, you know, we had some great high school football teams at St. Sebastian's and was quarterback there for three years. And it was just kind of, you know, for me, it was like an athlete who loved to play sports, just kind of running around making plays and um, then you know after the football season you'd go into hockey you know play a couple months of hockey after the hockey season ended going and play baseball and that's kind of just what we did we played multiple sports played street hockey growing up and you know now I think things are more structured um, you know there's more kind of um, uh, year-round training that kind of goes into things um, there's uh, you know club sports travel sports hockey like in prep school now like fall hockey's huge where kids are all playing for outside fall teams club teams so it's definitely changed you know a, a lot um it's gotten more organized i think um and, you know where athletics are today um you know it's hard to say if it's if it's if it's better or not. i mean I, I just think it's different you know it's just it's just really different the multi-sport athlete is just something that you know we don't really see that much of in in, in prep schools anymore and you know i feel really fortunate to work at a school at winston school where you know they're okay if you know if someone comes in as as, as a repeat junior they come in as a postgraduate and they know that they want to play college baseball maybe they're already committed to college baseball you know they're going to allow them to um you know pursue those goals and to kind of come up with strength and conditioning programs and to come up with having you know base Baseball opportunities almost throughout the year. Yeah. Now I was looking back at your career. Um, how did you decide? You, so you got drafted in both sports. You were, had a, a scholarship offer at Ohio State for hockey, I think, and UMass for baseball. Did it come just down to finances on how you decided to take your career after high school? Uh, not really. I mean, I was fortunate that I, you know, I had a lot of different colleges that um, were recruiting, you know, me in, in, in different sports and. Um, you know, it wasn't, it was never really like planned or like expected or, you know, it was never really like we were trying to, uh, you know, never, it just kind of felt like we enjoyed playing games. Like I enjoyed playing sports. And, you know, as once I got to be kind of around like my junior year at St. Sebastian's, you started, to, we started to get a lot, a lot of, um, you know, attention from colleges, but it was never something that like I 
kind of sought out or, you know, we didn't go to, you know, showcases or college camps and things like that, which I think, you know, nowadays is, is kind of, you know, one way that you get, you know, recruited, you're almost kind of recruiting the school as much as, as they're recruiting um, you. So, um, but you know, there were opportunities to play college football, you know, at like Boston college and some Ivy league schools, which was pretty neat. Um, and, and uh, you know, ultimately I, you know, wasn't going to have the opportunity to play three sports in college. So um, I, I just uh, kind of decided that hockey and baseball were two that I liked, um, you know, probably the most. And um, Ohio State gave me uh, the opportunity to play two um, at a really high level. So, you know, I've been around seeing some uh, the college facilities um, out here in the Northeast and then um, went out to Michigan uh, to see the facilities out of Michigan. But when I went to Ohio State, that was pretty neat. They play in like a 17,000-seat uh, arena for, for uh, hockey, and, you know, the, the baseball stadium was right next door. So I kind of thought, uh, you know, hockey season would end. I'd walk right over to the baseball field and start playing baseball. So, um, yeah, that was kind of the decision-making process there. That's a, Yeah, that's a good setup. Um, and now, so you grew up on the Cape, like you said, in uh, Barnstable and um, – and you also played on the Cape League uh, with Bourne. Um, what was your, you know, and, and the Cape League season obviously just starting up here. What was your experience like uh, around the Cape League, bef- you know, before you played on the Cape? Like as a kid, were you involved in any of those clinics or parades or anything like that? And what was your, what was it like to play on the Cape for a summer? Yeah, it was a lot of fun. So growing up, you know, I would go to the clinics. We'd go to some of the clinics uh, in Hyannis, Hyannis Mets, which were a lot of fun. We'd go to uh, Katuit, you know, the Katuit Kettle Leaders Clinics. Those were a lot of fun. And I just remember going to those games a lot with my dad, which was, you know, chasing the foul balls, turning the foul ball in, you know, getting a piece of candy, those kinds of things. So it was, um, you know, it was a really fun summer. And then, you know, to fast forward, you know, seven eight ten years later to have an opportunity to play in the league it was an amazing summer uh it was so much fun uh, i'm getting a chance to play for the born braves and uh played for another you know new england kind of legendary coach and matt noon who's done an unbelievable job at babson so um it was really fun playing for coach noon i had him uh, as a coach uh, at saint sebastian's for a short period of time before he moved over to northeastern but um yeah that summer in the cape that was a lot of fun i mean growing up on the cape and seeing all the major league players that went through there and kind of you know remembering when they were, um, you know, playing their college ball there, then seeing them play on TV and, you know, for the Red Sox and the different teams and then getting a chance to play in the league myself was, um, you know, that was, uh, that was a lot of fun. That's as good as it gets. And uh, I mentioned you, you've had experience coaching the Roughnecks and, and even at uh, the Wichenden School, you have more specialized programs for, to help with people's strength and conditioning or wherever they need to do to add to weaknesses. Through your role either with the Roughnecks um, or, you know, on the prep scene, what do you think guys, uh, what mistake are guys making in their training most often, you know, whether it be focusing too much on velo or exit velocity or like, what, what do you see guys uh, focusing too much attention on these days? Yeah, no, I mean, I think you brought up a really good one there, um, you know, in terms of uh, of the velocity, uh, exit velocity, those types of things. Um, you know, so much of it now is uh, is focused on kind of those those numbers. And one of the things that you can't measure is, um, you know, the compete level. You can't measure, um, you know, being able to make adjustments. So, you know, players ask me all the time, should I go to showcases? Should I go to these events? And I think they can be really good for players if you have like a standout tool, if you're going to hit balls out of the ballpark in BP, um, if you're going to run you know six seven six eight you know 60 if you're going to stand out with high velocity numbers um you know you'll stand out at those types of events but um we've had really good solid baseball players that are solid baseball players across the board and they help 
win games in college, um, you know, but they might not always have, you know, one standout tool. You know, it might be an 0-2 count and they lay off that fastball that's letter at the letters uh, and then they get that soft breaking ball away and they learn to drive that ball to the opposite field and a left-handed hitter to drive it into, you know, the left center gap or a right-handed hitter to drive that, you know, soft breaking ball away into the right center gap. Um, and I think those are the types of things that are ultimately going to win tight ball games. Um, and, and some of those types of, of, of skills might not show up. Um, they might not be, you know, measurables that you can kind of um, identify at a showcase and, or, or things like that. So, um, you know, I think that in terms of mistakes that, you know, that, that people are making right now, um, my advice would be just have fun. You know, play for the right reasons. Play because you enjoy it. Play because you love it. Um, don't play because you think you might get something out of it. You know, don't play because you think that it might get you to a certain college or um, you might have a chance to, um, you know, play after college. You know, I wouldn't uh, – I'd just play because you love it and because you enjoy it. Yeah, and it seems like so much money is spent from, you know, people trying to be at the – at the right events or get the perfect trainer or something like that where you're right, you know, just focus on enjoying it because very few guys are going to get the opportunity to move on and play at the next level. So enjoy it while you're in the moment. Um, we do hear from all kinds of parents all the time who say, uh, what are the events my kids need to be at in the summer? You know, what are the most scouted events or where are they, where are they going to run into college recruiters? And I know everybody wants to go to the area code games, but you get basically a handful of guys from New England. It's just the top five. Those guys are all going to go on and play Division One baseball. Um, I know the Perfect Game has some big showcase events, you know, in East Cobb and Fort Myers and things like that. Uh, what are some things, guys, you know, what, which ones do you steer guys towards locally where maybe, you know, they don't have to get on a plane and go down to Florida or Georgia? Yeah, well, I know you mentioned uh, the area code games. I mean, the area code tryout, that's certainly, you know, a, a big one um, that, you know, lots of uh, a lot of the top players will be at the area code tryout that's represented generally. You know, I, I believe all Major League Baseball teams are usually there um, and a lot of the top, you know, college programs. I think going to college camps can be really um, a, a useful tool as well, too, because, you know, obviously those colleges are right there and, and, and they're going to be there, um, you know, evaluating. Um, and I think that it shows um, the player, uh, or I'm sorry, it shows the college that uh, that the player is really interested. You know, if they show up on their campus and they make an effort to go to a college camp. So, um, you know, if you can identify certain colleges that you really like and, and, and go to their camps and communicate with the coaches that way, I think that can be a good thing too. And, um, you know, I would also, you know, if your goals are to play college baseball, I would um, go to programs that have done that in the past that have successfully sent kids to college baseball programs so you know there's a handful of travel ball organizations that you know have been in the business for a long time uh, and have sent kids year in and year out to college programs uh, and they have those relationships that are developed with the college coaches so I think like anything it's 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 relationships and it's about the people and same thing on the high school side you know if you're interested in playing college baseball um, you know I would look at those schools that year in and year out send you know a good number of kids to those college programs because I think again that's where um, you know those relationships have, have been created and developed and you're right that that happens in the summer you know you're not getting college coaches out in the spring when they're you know playing a four games a week you know it's difficult to see them in the spring uh one more question i had for you i don't know if you saw this somebody hit a home run uh in a regional college world a college you know division one ncaa tournament regional game and the umpire kind of uh he was he was basically kind of he hit it he was watching it you know walking out of the box and the umpire kind of pushed him down the first baseline and was like get get yourself down the line it seems like on twitter it's always a 50 50 split like where people are like hey 
let them enjoy the game. Let them, you know, if they just hit a home run in a big game, let them stare it down and walk around the bases if they want. And then other people like, no, I applaud that umpire. The guy needs to get down the base path and not show anybody up. Where do you stand on that? Is that becoming a problem in sports with, uh, you know, a lack of uh, sportsmanship? Yeah, I, mean, I think sportsmanship is, is obviously it's, it's incredibly uh, important. Um, I, I do. Um, I remember the clip that you're talking about, and uh, I'm probably on Twitter and social media more than than I should be. Uh, oftentimes, it has to do with uh, recruiting purposes. Uh, but uh, you know, I spend spend probably a little too much time on uh, on social media. But I, you know, I, I saw the clip, and um, you know, if it's a, a big play in a in, in a big game, and um, you know, I think that uh, you know you want to kind of celebrate and be happy for a short period of time. You know, that's probably okay. But I think it becomes a point where um, you know you got to make your way around the bases too. So you probably can't be staring at it for uh, for for too too long. And uh, you know, I guess we kind of uh, abide by the thought process. Uh, you know, generally of uh, act like you've done it before. So you know, expect yourself to do good things. And uh, when you do good things, just kind of you know. Uh, make your way around the bases, or if you're a pitcher, you know, collect that last strikeout and uh, and 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 uh, head off to the dugout and get back out there and do it again next time. Right? Yeah. Well, uh, it was a pleasure having you in studio. Thanks so much. I know it's uh, an exciting time for the Wichita School baseball program. So. It was fun having you in. Thanks for coming. Yeah, thanks for having me. This was a blast, you know, and uh, I'm really appreciative of everything that uh, that you all have done for New England Prep School Baseball. I mean, it's come a long ways in a short period of time, and, you know, the amount of talented players uh, that prep schools are seeing, you know, on the baseball side um, has been really, really remarkable, and uh, certainly everything that you guys have done to promote the sport has uh, been, um, you know, we appreciate it. Thanks for saying that. It's been fun to cover it. Thanks to John Toffey for joining us in studio. Rate, review, subscribe to the Base Path Podcast on your preferred platform. Thanks to our producer, Steve Safran. The Base Path Podcast is a Siemens Media production.